millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Ray. I'm Alexandre. Welcome back to another episode of. Oh, sleep, 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 yeah, man. Welcome back to another episode of Mostly Lit. Oh, God. Um, what was all that about, Ray? Well, I was trying to, like, start off really nicely and then... Oh, welcome back to... Blah, 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 blah. Welcome back, guys. It's another episode of the one and only... Award, multi-award winning. <laughs> Sorry, just had to gas us up a little bit. Um, yeah, thank you, guys. Podcast. I'm Alex Reeds. I'm Raifa. And we are bringing you Mostly Lit for another week. Um, thanks guys so much for last week. Uh, just, you know, bringing back the new episode. Everybody was so gassed. Um, oh, I know. It was so lovely to see. And it see. gassed me up just to see that everybody was still was interested. Like, oh, no, I was like, oh my God. No one's going to listen. We've been away for far too long. Oh my God. I was just like, wow. Okay. So we have uh, people that listen. So um, The love has been incredible. I'm always shocked that people listen. So it's Oh my God. I literally was like, I wrote something about it, about how like, Remember, like when we started. I remember our first episode, Alex. The first episode. It was about. Was it? I think it was turning books into films, or it was like books into films, or something back in twenty sixteen. Mm. Like adaptations, like best adaptations or, or not. Oh yeah. And it was just so weird. Mm. Like now it's like strange. Really strange. strange Anyways, strange. Um, really grateful. But yeah, thank you guys, and thank you all for your well wishes to Derek because yeah, know, it's always good. It's always sad when someone leaves Me. the team. So thank you guys for sharing your love and retweeting stuff out and sending your messages to him. They were all passed on. Ah, oh, so Chef, should we get into this week? How's your week? How's your week, Alex? Tiring. Really? Aww. Yeah, the temple what? of solitude. Was it being shaken? You know, like you Is know it? when you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know when you open up the door uh-huh. to you know dust off some mats, mm-hmm. you know you don't need washing. Yeah, you, you want to air out. You want to hang it outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people just can't. Just, just try to rush in. Yeah, rush in and like, so like oh, the door's oh. open. Oh, that's right. The temple's closed. No, I'm actually just airing out. I'm I just washing my clothes. Yeah, I'm spring cleaning. Washing my thoughts. Yeah, and you just entered into my temple of solitude. And wow, 
How dare they? Yeah, no invite. It's fine. No RSVP. No RSVP. I couldn't even cook and clean. You know what I mean? I had my, I had my set food and my set meal. I was the deep meditations. I was waiting, and uh, yeah. you kind of just came and rattled me. But it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. The clothes were still dried. Yeah. Um, and all that. So my it, week. <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's all blessed. Yeah. What about you? My week has been a bit like emotionally tough this week, mm. um, but like really good in terms of like growth. I think um, I've like employed this kind of like rigorous therapy treatment since um, Jan, um, and it's helping. But my God, like the hard work it takes to mm. like be mentally like well um, and plug up like holes is very hard. And this week, my first therapy session this week was really really tough. Um, but really, really like rewarding afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know when you're like your therapist just reads you for filth, but also sometimes doesn't say anything, and you end up reading yourself for filth because mm-hmm. you you say these things and you realize, oh man, like yeah. I am the problem here. Yeah, you man. know because I I can control everything. I just need to, you know, put up graceful boundaries. So yeah, 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 yeah. it's been a bad like not bad. I think it's been a um, a growing mental health week. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprisingly work has been really well mm-hmm. so everything has been like sweet actually <laughs> it goes as it goes yeah so that's my week mm-hmm. um yeah well. should we get into the show let's let's do mostly news i want to know what's up what you have for me because this week has been a bit wild mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, i'm even laughing at like the things that i know you're going to come and talk about <laughs> because all right um <laughs> so i'm going to start with some book news yeah um, stuff so Angie Thomas has a, is a bit peeved, a bit, a bit pissed. With a an, little perturbed. Uh, a little perturbed <laughs> by, uh, by an article that was written in the bookseller about, uh, it was literally the article was about trade figures having um, said publishers need to acquire fewer young adult titles and publish fewer issue books in mm. 2019. And um, they used they, they her used picture. picture. So yeah. she was kind of like, you know, she doesn't know what's in the article. Like she doesn't, she's, she's openly said that she doesn't know, but she's just a bit like, a little bit use? weird mm. about the optics because when you, and you know, it's like her literary agent kind of came into the argument as well mm. and was saying like, it was kind of careless to use her photo mm-hmm. in that instance yeah. because her books aren't issue books, they're young adult fiction mm-hmm. books which reflect the time so when so, you mean issue books yeah. do you mean um issues pertaining to like modern day dilemmas of society so like because yeah. i would say that her books are somewhat issue books mm. but more young adults okay. so they tackle ya but mm. with it like obviously young adult lives um but it's not an issue book because when, I, when people say issue it's almost like oh another like Political book. Political book, so, do you know what uh, I mean? But so, this is just what is, like, I think she writes about what happens in mm, young black lives. Yeah, so her um, literary agent, Brooks Sherman, he said, I suggest, I suggest that your use of Angie Thomas's photo to headline this article is more than a little insulting mm-hmm. <laughs> at the bookseller. As the author's literary agent, I can assure you that she does not write issue books. What's more, at, at the magazine, the books that Angie Thomas writes have done quite well in the marketplace, so the optics here seem like false advertising. Mm. In addition, oh um, Angie Thomas is far from the only successful author of YA books that, while not being issue books, do address social issues that concern younger readers today while also presenting nuanced, intelligent and satisfying narratives. In closing, I'm sure you have many solid points here about the state of the YA marketplace in the UK. I merely ask that you let those points stand on their own merits. Please do better. 
So, I mean, when it comes to magazines and like media, media books, I guess, I don't think, I don't think there was anything particular with mm-hmm. this. I think it was just like, she's like, a, she's the most prominent YA fiction author at the moment. Yeah, and her book, a new book is out. A new yeah. book is out. It just looked like the optics of it looked a bit weird. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what she was saying. And, you know, he kind of had a scathing comment. I mean, you know, the media... It was a bit of a, of a literary read. Yeah, it was, it was a read. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't really hold back. He's like, do better. <laughs> he literally said, do better at the end. The read. <clears throat> there we go. All right, so that's, um, that is Angie Thomas. Okay, so there's a, I don't know whether you heard about this guy called David Mallory. Have you heard about him? Yes, I have. He's a scammer. So he's a scammer. <laughs> um, the New York I was, was going to read the New York, um, the New yeah, the New Yorker um, article, but I just it's a long article. It's a very long article. When, when they do their investigation pieces and their exposés, it's long. Yeah, I was reading. It's like some narrative, like biograph, biography yeah. of this person. I really like the way it's written. I haven't finished all of it. I started. It's, it's long. I mean, I guess yeah. I'd rather just press play because I know that they can. They have them read out, but um, essentially. Uh, Mallory is a, <laughs> is a is a writer, and he um, he was an editor, I think it was at Little Brown, and he basically um, kind of like fabricated a lot of his professional life, and then fabricated the fact that he was like said that he um, was a cancer sufferer, and all this and all these different things, and um, I oh, good heavens, you know, and he still got published, and he still yeah, got he wrote a so, book, yeah. Um, the woman in the window. The woman in the window. Yeah. yeah. He goes by pen name yeah. AJ Finn. AJ Finn. So he was already an, he was an editor and whatnot, but he's also like he also said that he got his doctorate from um, Oxford um, oh, in didn't? English, but he didn't because the people that work at Oxford they're like he has he's never done that. Oh. Um, so there's like loads of lies after God. lies kind of been piling on. But the um, oh also- this is gonna be sweet. I'm gonna be sat with my cup of tea. <laughs> I'm gonna read this. <laughs> But then uh, it kind of like surfaced today that HarperCollins said that they will press on with um, Mallory's second novel. Um, said HarperCollins says it has not changed. Well, his first novel is has been adapted into a film. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it was shot last year, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They said that HarperCollins says it has not changed its plans to publish a second novel by Dan Mallory after he admitted lying about having cancer. Of course he won't. They won't. Yeah. Not only that, but this book is going to do so well exactly. because of this expose. Yeah. Mallory has a two-book deal and HarperCollins told the bookseller there's been no change to its publishing plans for the second novel. Um, a statement that HarperCollins said was, we don't comment on the personal lives of our, empo- of our employees or authors. Professionally, Dan was a highly valued editor and the publication of The Woman in the Window, a Sunday Times bestseller, speaks for itself. Yeah. So... Brings up the question of... Privilege. And <laughs> because, you know. ethics in... Does it matter whether he's lied about his... Because it seems to me that he's gotten a lot of... He's gotten a lot out of these lies. The mere fact that I think he, you know, he might have been a respected editor, mm. but that's not to say it didn't. All his previous lies Man, didn't help him get here, there. He's out here scamming everybody, like just kind of like playing on the emotional heartstrings of all the these people. The fact that he even got this book deal. Yeah. What yeah. was? How did he get it? Yeah. Obviously, like I mean, the connections I guess yeah. from being in the industry and whatnot. Precisely. But so at the same time, it's just like well. You know, if it, I'm, I would hasten to think that if it was anybody of any particular, any other background that wasn't wasp, mm. like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, even though he was Catholic, long, wait, it, did you, you wasp wasp? Say white, that again. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. So it's the no, um, wasp doesn't. Oh, Anglo-Saxon Protestant. <laughs> I'm gonna be using wasp everywhere now. No, Why don't I know this no, word? It's, like it's, it's it's particular to the United States. So there was this whole thing about like, I think after the reconstruction and, and, and prohibition, it's like, it was like about, they were called wasps. So like the, 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 the privileged 
guys, everyone, people, everyone, everyone. White and the wasps. The wasps. The wasps. Although he's Catholic, but there we go. I'm not but gonna anyway. be called. I'm not gonna say Caucasian anymore. <laughs> wasps. Just gonna be no, like wasps. That's been a thing, man. I have no idea. I've been a thing, but yeah. So like, because he's he's a wasp. He's waspy. He's waspy. <laughs> he, he out here being waspy. Yeah. Um, he manages to get a second chance, of or, he does. or just kind of like you know, look over all his different. Um, it's transgressions <laughs> but yeah cool so that's uh, David Mallory okay so from another white from one white man to another white man Dan <laughs> Mallory um, Dan Mallory sorry yeah. um, Liam Neeson oh my god let's not Liam Neeson opened his mouth very wide very, this week <laughs> very wide very loud very telling you know people just tell on themselves like you don't even need something you don't even you don't, you're not even reacting I just don't like you are telling on yourself mm. and people are just watching you some people don't obviously if you've, if you've not heard what's happened then you live under a rock but he basically it said that after, yeah, yeah he was on a um, he was in an interview with The Independent in the UK and he um, was recounting a story about when his friend got raped and she said it was by a black man and he said that he wanted to go out and kill the first black man he saw he, he deliberately went, he deliberately went, went to I forgot what he calls it but essentially ends mm. to find a black man so that he can enact his vengeance on him and mm. it did not matter because what's weird to me is people trying to pander around it right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and some people are like you know these pundits and, and, and people on television that will be like oh you know his friend just got raped he was angry it's not um, racism it's just anger mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned if you were angry you would have asked how did this person look like where does he live do you know any more information about him because revenge is not revenge if it's arbitrary mm-hmm. and if it's wide. Revenge is revenge if it's calculating and if it's specific to the person. So this isn't a case of revenge. This is a bloody hate crime. Like it's racist. Mm. It is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like it, the fact that he actually went out there with the intention with to kill. The intention to kill. <laughs> like, like, and you know, it speaks a lot about conditioning of white men in this country, in Ireland, wherever Maggie's from. But like, the thing is, right. Now, my, my problem was that people, they're using black rage to set his film and to consistently talk about him and to get all these random pundits on talking about like yeah. John, John Barnes out here defending him. <laughs> like you've got Kendi Andrews out here against him and all these different things. I just feel, I just feel like... Yeah, like Afua Hirsch was on Hirsch, everybody. Um, and other people were like, oh, you know, it's just... It, I think, right, that when, when um, these personalities go on television to discuss these things mm. i'm sorry but wasps know exactly what they're doing yeah <laughs> you ain't <laughs> um, let this go now, i'm not gonna let this go You're a wasp. they know exactly what they're doing mm. and i'm almost offended that people go online sorry go online or go on television and argue with them mm. because I'm, I'm like i'm so disgusted that you think that I can come here yeah. and argue a point that is so obviously racist. Yeah. But because you want some sort of entertainment, yeah. you want to add currency to my anger, all of different, all of then it. it's okay. Yeah, man, listening it's to the radio. All, I, I just get so angry when I see like, yeah. like black people and, and personalities and, and, and I don't know, people in politics or general society just sit there and even engage with this topic. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Matt. Wild, um, right? There was even, there was oh, even something, I was talking to um, Patrick from Over the Bridge podcast. Yeah. And like, he put a tweet out about, and it was um, uh, on Good Morning Britain. Was it, it Pier- that guy? Yeah, it appears Susanna 
um, oh, what's his name again? A guy from the Daily Mail and yeah. a guy from the Daily Mirror. They were talking about it, mm. but they were talking about it as you'd expect white people should be talking about race mm. and class in this country. Like, you know, Susanna was like, you know, she's very, she's like, oh, I'm very conscious of the fact, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing. Mm. But she's like, I'm very conscious of the fact that, you know, us, we are like middle class white people talking about an issue. So we can't really tell, you know, black people about an experience that mm-hmm. we've never actually had. And I was like, oh my God, mm. like the way that she's done that on TV and then Piers is agreeing. And I was like, this is, this is all very mad. Like they're dragging John Barnes in the way that they should, but not like really try, not, not really using his race against him or any of these different things. Mm-hmm. Like they were really just kind of having a balanced discussion. Of course, they were. They were having a balanced yeah. discussion, but they were also just saying like they were aware of their privilege, privilege. that it's that is for white people on a panel talking about a mm-hmm. race issue. And they, and I don't know I, if they could get applause for that. I don't know. It's not an applause because yeah. I'm not going to give them cookie, like yeah. cookies with like little bits. But I was looking at him and I was like, this is actually very weird. But I think it's it was strange to see because watched... like, you want to watch it and then you want to criticize. Yeah. But then you're like, you can't actually criticize it because. Yeah. They've, they've said the right things. Yeah. So, I mean, Yesterday, yeah. I watched one of those, like, late night shows. Um, I forgot what it was. Yesterday, Graham Norton. No, I don't think it was Graham Norton. But it had, there was this, like, there was this black woman. I think she's even mixed race. Mm. And this topic came up. And they were all, it's so weird when somebody asks a controversial question and everyone's like, ooh. Mm. And they don't want to touch on it. And then they make a bit of a joke about it. And they're yeah. laughing. And I'm just like, I understand this is a comedy show, but this topic should not have a place in yeah. the show mm-hmm. if you're not mm-hmm. going to do it justice. Yeah. And if you're just going to, you know, brazenly make a joke about it. Yeah. I was just a bit disgusted. Mm-hmm. And I was even more offended at the um, the black actress who was on it. And she was also who? doing Panda Panda. Oh, I forgot who she is. But she's mixed race. Oh, she, it wasn't that woman from Belle. It was another one. She looks oh, okay. vaguely similar to her. Oh, was she in... Um Oh, I think I probably know you're talking yeah. about. She, it's, I think she might be. She's the one that's going to be in the film with Liam Neeson, the men, in, the men in black. No, 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 not her. Tessa Thompson was it? Tessa Thompson. No, no, she's oh, okay. British. Oh, okay. She's British. She kind of looks like that woman who played in Belle. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, it wasn't. I was just really offended because I was like, first of all, you shouldn't be doing nervous laughter when you know this is ridiculous. <laughs> like your your PR team and you know the, your agent really didn't prepare you for this, did they? Man, they threw you under the bus. They dashed you. But um, but Man. yeah, I think. I mean, he's um what is it? He there's a film coming out and he's um premiere or whatever got um, cancelled. Um, and they basically the show was talking about should his should his like career or whatever mm. I think that might have been the for Hirsch one should his, his career suffer and um, stop because of this mm. um, that was a discussion I don't really care if it does or doesn't I mm. think it's just that he needs to does he understand that what he did was what he said and mm. what he felt yeah. was wrong yeah it's true um, it's true but yeah I don't know man so Liam Neeson I'm <sighs> racist man like the fact that you even had those <laughs> thoughts, I'm just a bit like, and you use that energy to put into your films, whatever. Can you so, imagine? Yeah. I wonder how um, <laughs> Viola Davis feels. Ooh, I, I wonder. I was, I was thinking about this. Like, how did they speak to their colleagues after they Because like, it, I they, know they literally are colleagues. Like, they are colleagues for the film for the one project, and yeah. then they probably won't be in another film again. Like, but she, then they know she, each other. Exactly. Is she going to call know. them up and be like, well, "What are you? What's going on?" I here? think it's you know what it is. It's like you know when you have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, and they're moving mad. <laughs> And then they say some shit, and then, their DMs. and then and then like they get cancelled or whatever. And then your mutuals are like, "Yo, 
Why are you speaking up? Like, why aren't you saying something? And, I knew, say and then you're like, listen, mm. like, do you want me to say? <laughs> they moved mad, it was disgusting. I've told them about it. She ain't got nothing to say. She shouldn't have to say anything. Yeah, that's it. Her responsibility right. should be on her, I guess. All right. Um, okay. Uh, from that to pretty sad news. Uh, this yeah. morning we were just told that Cadet uh, died tragically in a car crash with a taxi. Yeah. Um, so Cadet is the cousin of um, Crept, and he's a UK rapper. And he died on the he died in a taxi crash on the way to a Staffordshire gig. Um, so I'm not, you know, UK UK rap. I'm not hugely into. However, this is a really shocking piece of news, as he was a 28 year old man. Um, so he's known as Blaine, Blaine Johnson, and 28 um, year old man, and he's basically on his way to his gig, yeah. and he has a crash, and he's the only one to die. Yeah, in, they were like in, in that whole it's, it's in the whole catastrophe. Crazy. There was like a 36 year old and a 22 year old. Uh, they were both drivers of, of different cars, and. You know, they um, were taken to Royal Stoke um, Mm. Hospital and obviously they've got some serious injuries, but it's such a shame, like, he was the only one. Mm. Obviously, you don't want more people to die, you know, thank God. But at the same time, it's like, oh my God, like... It's kind of like, I don't want to say it's reminiscent of Aaliyah, but it kind of like, obviously Aaliyah was was global, Mm. I would imagine. But like, if you look at it and you think to yourself, you've got a whole team and you're traveling and you're the only one that with Aaliyah was was she the only one I think she was the only one was she the only one let me just double check um but like you know it's it's always sad to think about you know the fact that he was so young and he was like um so sad and like the peak of his well not peak of his career but he's actually pushing to kind of get more prominence and more clarity and kind of his content I think what is even harder to deal with is sudden death I think sudden death is has to be one of the most horrific things to happen mm. because like knowing that somebody has a bit of time mm-hmm. you you know daily life becomes something that you cherish it's so often that daily life for us is something that we just go about doing and we don't even think twice about it and there is almost a sort of wayward type of blessing knowing that okay somebody's ill we need mm. to time needs to slow down we need to pause it we need to you know, as much as we need to value people every day, it's, you know, sometimes unrealistic too because you're just, you're so busy in life. But then you're given a bit of time in a way. But sudden death is something that is so horrific Mm -hmm. because you don't have to be ill. You don't have to know what may come. It just hits you like Mm -hmm. the next day. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. oh my God, it's just... Yeah. Wild. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure whether Ilya was the only one, but I, can, I remember when I was when I heard the story, I'm sure yeah. she was the only one to die and, every, and everybody else was injured mm. in the Baham- like when they were in the Bahamas, etc. after filming that Rock the Boat video. It's just... So it's horrible, horrible stuff. So like, just send yeah. condolences to the family um, and yeah, just hope that they can... It's so weird, like sudden... <laughs> like sudden death. So for example, like, I remember when my grandfather passed away, mm. what, what I think is... You realise like it's horrible, but mm. then it's something about like the finality of life and how mortality is just like tomorrow is actually never promised, mm-hmm. and we do take it for advantage, like uh, for, granted. for granted. And I remember when um, my grandfather passed away, it was quite sudden because mm. obviously he's like quite far away. But and it was just like the morning. I just woke up. It was a normal day, and knock knock like. My, he was like my uncle, he was like, 
by the way, um, grandfather passed away this morning. Mm. And I don't even remember crying. Like, I just remember it just being, I, I, I think I cried, but it was more like, <gasps> like shock, not mm. like the loss of life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I remember I, I wasn't speaking to one of my good friends because mm. we had a little argument. And you just realise how absolutely pointless yeah, these things are. And I remember just calling my friend and being like, this is ridiculous what we're doing. Exactly. You know? It's, exactly. it's ridiculous. Like, obviously, I love you so much and I want you in my life and it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, let's do brunch. <laughs> um, See? Yeah, and it's just, I think... Yeah, it's it's horrible, but sometimes like choose your battles. Be grateful yeah. for what you have at the at this present time. Absolutely, and, and you realize like stress and 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 things that have like most of the things that weigh you down don't need to weigh you down. Yeah, because there are much more precious things um, that life has to offer. Definitely. So yeah, Definitely. it's such sad news, and condolences to his family, family. and his friends. Yeah. Um. All right. So next few bits, architect Sir David Ajayi. Um, has called for a long overdue museum celebrating black culture in Britain. Don't we have some? Uh, the thing is, we've got the we've got the black cultural archives mm-hmm. in Brixton, and I know that there's the there's the black archives in yeah. Nottingham, and there's the Slavery Museum Which I, in Liverpool. Mm. Um, I hate that. Those are all most yeah, of our yeah. most of our things I've are been in there British one. Museum, isn't it? Under British. Yeah, I've been there once, <laughs> and then um, but yeah, I was really young, so I can't really remember it, but. He's just talking about, you know, there's a, if he, because I think what he was doing, he's designing a National Holocaust Memorial. And he looked at it and just thought, why isn't there a, like a specific, just a black culture, a black British culture museum in the UK, which just, which just has everything like with the artists, music or whatever. Yeah. Um, rather like, And not, not steeped in any kind of particular trauma, trauma mm. or anything. Um, I, as much as I really like the idea, I personally think that 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 funding for that museum could be put in inner city schools mm. it could be put in more youth centers it could be given to communities and boroughs mm-hmm. to help black families most of the times these museums the people who it needs to uplift don't even know they exist yeah. they can't probably even go to them because they're too busy fighting their daily battles. Honestly. So, I, mean, I don't know how I feel about this. He was like, you know, he said that... It's a good thing to have, but... Yeah. He said that most people believe Black Britain began with the Windrush generation. And there's like, it, it, there's, it, there's so, it goes so much further. It goes, goes to Elizabethan, way, yeah, like, it goes to Elizabethan further, time. Yeah. It goes beyond that. The Moors, yeah. The Moors, all, all that stuff. So, I mean, I guess it would be an interesting thing because I know they've got the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. Mm. I think there's one, I think, with Nene Leakes is in there. Yeah. And I think, I, I'm not sure if that's in New York, a New York one or Washington one. Mm. But like, you see what I mean? Like, there's various things about Black British culture that should be kind of kept updated and put through so that people can kind of have the roots of this country in yeah. the same way that they do, for example, in the States. Cause yeah, I think definitely it's needed. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely, because obviously with black British culture, mm. there's so much that we ourselves don't know because we're just not educated in it. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be great to have that. Yeah. But where does that start? Does that start in schools or does that mean that we need a museum? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think overall, it, obviously, there is nothing bad about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about other ways that <laughs> the finances can be yeah. much more impactful on, on black lives yeah, and the yeah. community. Yeah, that is fair. All right, and finally, 21 Savage is from Brixton. 
Apparently. Um, so, so he's going through some. He's going through some bullshit. The ICE is mad, you know. But also, the ICE have really learned from immigration here because British immigration and the Home Office, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You guys don't know how much this that establishment ruins lives mm. and. Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking. Ooh. So, I mean, that further updates is that Jay Z has hired an attorney to help Twenty One Savage. Yeah, um, and he calls the ICE arrest an absolute travesty. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm reading reports about like you know, um, Twenty One Savage had a had a Glock on him and he was arrested and all these different things. And um, he and basically he's... was. Uh, so, if people don't know the story, which I'm sure you probably have seen all the memes and Demi Lovato having to leave in the internet <laughs> because she was getting roasted for her. I love jokes. how like black people and, um, can like love to banter <laughs> with one another, and as soon as some as as you know, person seen, comes you, in, you're like, "What?" Yeah, have you seen Chris Brown and Chris Brown's beefing with Offset <laughs> about it? You know what I mean? Because he put like um, Chris Brown uploaded a video yeah. on Instagram with, um, and it's got Twenty One Savage rapping using a UK grind beat. And the cover is like, he's like, oh my, <laughs> what is it, Chris Brown's like, look at them man there, all these different things. So, and then Offset, and Offset, Offset's like, Offset's like, man, like, why, this is not funny, etc. You know, people are, people are going through some real bullshit. Yeah. Stuff, I'm paraphrasing again. Um, Chris Brown's like, focus on yourself and your life oh and the things that are going on with you and uh, your family. And um, so, yeah, they're beefing. I think Offset asked for Chris Brown's address and all these different things. Anyway, so that's going, that's, that's mad. But the fact that, the very fact that, you know, 21 Savages from Brixton actually kills me. And, you know, they overlooked maintaining his visa in the United yeah. States. I didn't think it was that easy to overlook in the US. But it's not. it seems like... This is why I think something's happening here. Yeah. However, what this thing, outside of the laughs, what it really did show us was the fact that Americans really don't know about black British lives. Yeah. They really have absolutely no it's just idea. The, stereo, the stereotypes, man. They really called black men, what is it, chaps or lads. There was this um, a young lad or something. I'm like, if you knew really? like if they if were to come knew, if they were to come here and experience right? black culture here. I'm because just, obviously they just don't understand how But they look at us as foreign for some reason. Yeah. I don't know but then we had that discussion last week, didn't we, yeah. about blackness and how it's viewed. Yeah. And at the same time how Afri- like African Americans with the fact that racism is so in your face in America, and here it's almost insidious in mm. nature, even though I do say it's also in your face. Mm. Like, you know, we're not crazy and stupid, but because it's, they don't know about it at all. They really think black men here are like young chaps having crumpets and tea at the Four Seasons. Honestly. Like, it's wild. Yep, do we have a four seasons here? I don't even I don't think know. we have. Oh, we know we've got we got Holiday we Inn. We have the Dorchester. <laughs> holiday Inn. We have amazing hotels um, here. We do have amazing hotels, but they're just hella a lot. Makes sense. Oh, and, you know what I mean? But Holiday Inn, Premier Inn, and Travel Lodge. These are the places where you will find most where you find most people because that's what they can afford. Um, so that's messy news, guys. Let's get on. That's with hilarious. The- <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> Let's get on to the books. Hey. Um, so, mostly lit this week. What are you reading, my? What am I reading? Let me bring it up for you. Okay, so because now I'm obviously in love with Audible, um, I am reading Brittany Cooper's Eloquent Rage, um, a black feminist. Also, oh, I'm gonna put it on. <laughs> a black feminist discovers her superpower, um, and it's a collect. And it's basically um, Brittany Cooper talking about being a black woman and I love it because it's so she has like these lines that are amazing and Mm. she's a very personal book as well and it talks about almost herself and at the beginning it's like herself coming how she came into feminism okay um and then she stirs a section which I really really loved and wanted to talk about is just the idea of like loving black women and how sometimes that in of itself like you can love you can be straight and still love black women in a way that is almost romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about how feminism is possibly entrenched in um, queer politics. Okay, yeah. And how she, like her love for black women is platonic, but also it's romantic in a way. And I remember there was this part that she's talked about how... Um, if you don't love, if, if you say, fuck the patriarchy, but you don't support black women and you don't love black women, it's almost, it's, she says something like, the patriarchy seems to have fucked you. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool. And then, she, oh, it's just, it's chest opening. And, and, and like, I like literally like she, she talks in a way that, almost makes you think it's okay for me to be angry and mm-hmm. she, she, in the beginning she talks about the idea of um, a fellow black woman telling her like you have an eloquent rage and obviously a lot of the times when black women are in conversations with people and they're told to calm down mm. or you're being sassy or oh, that's just the way she is you know she's loud and and we almost get very defensive about that and she talks about the idea of yeah we, we are angry and we have the right to be angry mm-hmm. um and our anger is justified um, and plausible. And oh, yeah, I get that. it was amazing. Like, so, yeah, so I'm listening to that and I really, really enjoy it. Okay. It's a really, really cool book. Um, cool. I've, I'm kind of going through a, a, non-fiction, a non-fiction phase, but obviously my non-fiction phase is very much sticking to Audible because I don't like reading non-fiction. 
um, because, like in a book form. Yeah. Because feels like you're studying. I feel like I'm studying. Yeah. <laughs> feel, feel you on that. But yeah, so Bye. yeah, I'm reading Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. Cool. How about you? So I'm. Oh yeah, you're reading. <laughs> so basically, I got, it's basically yeah. So I got this book from um, Penguin Random House. Yeah, I got it. It's on my uh, bookshelf. And I'm, I have just been living. <laughs> this is actually so funny. Um, <laughs> basically, the book I'm reading is called. Cool. <laughs> White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by a professor called Robin, Robin D'Angelo. Yeah. Now, Robin D'Angelo is out here explaining whiteness to white people. Um, <laughs> and like, she's probably like, she's not easing off the pedal. Yeah. She's like, she's like, you know, you guys think that you're individuals, but you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah. you're, you're, a co- you're a collective white race. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and she was talking about this theory and it's about individualism, about, you know, when you're addressing white people and about racism. She said that she was in elections, she was talking about racism to these to white people. Mm-hmm. And like she would have like at the end she had like a whole queue of people coming to ask her questions. And then she said this Italian American guy came over and was like, Hey, we're like um the black people of the white race. Oh, God. All this stuff we were discriminated against. Yeah, it's like- and then she was like, Well, no, because at the end of the day, like you you've you've come to me with your individualism to say that <laughs> I'm white, but I'm not that that yeah. kind of racist. Like I'm not a wasp, but you know what I yeah. mean. But you're still a bee. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're still out here. You're still part of that flea. You're still part of them. My family. You're still, you're still yeah. part of them people that are out here sting black people when you want to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the very fact that you're Italian American was a completely different experience. More racism from I like the, the, the I remember experiencing racist a racist and they were Italian literally. See. Like, but what Italian American or Italian Italian? Italian Italian. I mean, okay, so I mean, uh, yeah. What's Italian American? So basically, just, you know, that, like, I when, know, when I know. it all came to Ellis Island, and yeah. uh, but, but to be honest, are not <laughs> like, all, or are not all Americans foreigners anyway? Mm, modern Americans anyway. I think it's a, it's a nation built on immigrants. Exactly. Like people stolen. The only people, people who are like invited, mm, people right? pillaged, right? <laughs> the only true people that are of the Americas are the natives. Exactly. <laughs> who were you know. Very much so, bought, bought. Yeah, you're off. The land was bought. And, but yeah, so all of that stuff. So this book is actually really interesting uh, so far. There's like, there's certain bits in here I had to underline. Um, <laughs> oh, I love a book when you do that yeah. to a book. It's really nice. Yeah, um, she's just, she's hilarious. Like, she's actually been cracking me up. I mean, I put some of it on my Instagram story. White fragility. Uh, white fragility. <laughs> um, and yeah, she's. My, um, my dissertation that I wrote when I was at uni was uh, the construction of racial whiteness in yeah. ni- um, 19th century. Um, literature and culture um, and yeah it, it was all about literally essentially this like white people how whiteness became a race like you know how they differentiated themselves and kind of made themselves uh, the status quo of humanity yeah. and, and, and livelihood essentially yeah. but it's so weird how they actually think of themselves as a default and everything else yeah. is yeah. essentially other and it just reverts back to the Liam Neeson uh, precisely I mean, they don't see their race they just see opposite races exactly and will label it but they don't understand how they as a white person will can affect yeah. so much and that's why the conversation around race is always quite yeah, right. like it will be just tenuous and unsettling mm-hmm. because you have a party coming into a discussion who already think that they are yeah. you know, above Listen, or... So she came to rattle them. She was like, for many, white people, <laughs> for many white people, the mere title of this book will cause res- resistance because I am breaking a cardinal rule of individualism. Mm-hmm. I am generalizing. <laughs> I am proceeding as if I could know anything about someone just because the person is white. Right now, you may be thinking of all the ways that you are different from other white people and that if I just knew how you'd come to this country <laughs> or were close to these people, grew up in this neighborhood, endured this struggle, or had this experience, then I would know that you were different. 
that you were not racist. I've witnessed this common reflex countless times in my work. And then she goes on to talk about the Italian American. And then she just basically, I think that this book's hilarious. Like I read it as well, a, like every white I read it, person I read, read it, it, huh? I read it as a, to get sound bites, you see what I mean? <laughs> get little clips of things, just to be like, oh, but have you read, uh, let me just take you to page 47. <laughs> <clears throat> Cultural racism. Oh so, so you know what I mean? So like, yeah, so that's a, a, that's a very interesting book. Yeah. Thank you, Penguin, for that. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. And it's so, you know, nice that it's a fellow, fellow wasp. It's a wasp. Telling. She's like, I'm very aware that, she's very aware that I'm a white woman writing a book about white people to white people. So she's going to write, she's like, she basically, she's, 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 like, she's so clear in everything that she's saying. Cute, she's cute. like, when I, she's like, when I refer to us and we, I'm referring to white people. Um, I can't speak on multi, I can't speak on other races, but you know, if I'm in a room, and I'm the only woman, then my gaze is going to be, that's the only woman in the room. Yeah. If I'm in a room and it's, um, and I'm the only white woman, my, I'm going to be focusing on the fact that I'm white mm. and in this room. So she kind of like, you know, breaks down, she makes it clear to people about what identity politics is. I hope, I really hope that. This, it's interesting. No, I really hope that it's not just black, like black people don't read this. Like, or in a way, I just uh, want white people to read it. Yeah, yeah, they will read it. I really just like, yeah, read it. Yeah, read it, force it down their throats, get this book. Because it, I know a lot of the times we always engage in this type of type of. Uh, get it to your friend who is moving mad. And not then... even moving mad, just moving white. <laughs> just, you know, regular. There we go. Doesn't even, isn't even aware of their own privilege <laughs> or, regular. you know. Yeah, but anyway, that's what I'm reading. White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Sweet. All right, cool. So this week we uh, we are reading <laughs> this book called Less by the Pul- the Pulitzer Award winning Less. Is it P- so? There is a part in this book where the guy who wins the Pulitzer, Pulitzer doesn't know how to pronounce it. He's been calling it Pulitzer. Pulitzer. I think it's a Pulitzer. I thought it was the Pulitzer. Well, I Pulitzer. think I used to say Pulitzer. I mean, a Pulitzer is a Pulitzer. It's a Pulitzer. It's an award. Pulitzer. I mean, <laughs> come yeah. On so now. basically, like the man booker of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of the U.S. Um, that British people cannot win but British people American people can win the booker hmm. this looks like Andrew Sean Greer um, that was um, a shade by the way if you didn't quite catch that I'm just saying, over what, I'm, just saying audio. To, I'm just saying what I have to say so yeah so the book's called the book's called Less um, by, follows Andrew a, follow, Sean by Andrew Sean Greer and it follows the life of a writer called Arthur Less who is approaching 50 going through a midlife crisis, essentially. Uh, no, he's he's going through a heartbreak. He's going through um he's going through a multitude of things where he including is, a heartbreak. Going through a heartbreak. He's going through a midlife crisis. He's going through lack of inspiration. He's going through all these different things. And he's running away uh, from it all by going on tour around the world. You know what I'm saying? On like these mediocre to, writing yeah, he things. He has to do like all these panels and where he's like award. Yeah, all these panels where he's like the only English speaking person and it's on a Spanish speaking <laughs> award and, and and panel. Yeah. And you know, and the the woman that he stole um, his, his partner from. Well, his um first partner lover. of like nine years. Yeah, she was gonna be on the panel with him and it was just Oh like, that was that part was hilarious because I was shook. It's a mess, it's a mess, it's actually a mess. Like so I was like, wow, so you are I was gonna, like, oh my gosh, she's coming? You know you think that like those kind of those kind of things frighten me. You see what I mean? Like the person you, you stole beef what you, you had beef for someone and they were on the same you panel had, as you. You had beef with them. You didn't know who the panel was, so you know that you've been invited to a panel and you're yeah. supposed to go on this panel. They haven't confirmed all the guests yet. You arrive at this panel and, and then they and, told and you, and oh, your, by the way, your enemy of your enemy is your there. Your friend is there. <laughs> so it's just like no, I, I just have to do it. Any, like, I, don't I personally, I don't have a, I don't have beef with anybody. I don't have, I don't have any enemies. So I know in what. that moment, <laughs> so I'm like, in that moment, I know people who have beef with me. Yeah. But in that moment, I literally will just sit there. And look pretty, because that's what I will do. And I'll say what I need to say. And then bounce. And then I will bounce. Like, you're not going to stop me from, like, making my money. 
Can you imagine you say no to a panel and good, good pee because somebody is there who don't like you. I'm finding a hell of a Get out of here, mate. Um, But yeah, we follow Arthur as he goes through various different countries um, from Germany to Mexico to to Morocco to to Paris. Oh wait, he goes to Frankfurt? Frankfurt. No, he has a layover in Frankfurt and remember he's taken some narcotics and he's so stressed. He's just a mess. (laughs) Oh, that part was hilarious. But yeah, so what did you think of the book what in general before we get into yeah. the actual topics we want to talk about? But what did you think so, of it? So, um, I nearly, well, I haven't finished. Um, please take into account that I've had a tough week. Um, but I will finish this book because I, so I read, I started this book actually last year um, when I went to New Orleans because I bought it at the airport. Um, and I was a bit bored because I, I just wasn't paying attention. So I just didn't really like it. Mm. Um, and obviously choosing it this week, I saw it and I was like, oh my shelf, I was like, Alex, let's, let's do less. Um, and oh my God, the narrative voice is hilarious. Um, so it's told from the point of view of almost a third party and this third party, did you recognize it? It was actually a kid. Mm. Cause remember the what? he goes to the, the party um, narrating this book. Les goes to a party and there was a kid there mm-hmm. and he's drawing. Yeah. And that that's the narrator. I don't know if he yeah, comes yeah, back yeah. later at the end. I guess, yeah. But that's because it's normally you'd think, oh, it's just like an omniscient yeah, yeah. kind of unreliable person. And then he places himself in the story, but in a in a part where he's like a very he's a young kid who meets this adult essentially. Um who he thinks is like young but not isn't. Um but yeah, it's really funny and it's almost romantic in that the language is clear concise but witty yeah. um and ironic like, like you, it's just so much you, irony he leaves you to think about certain things at the end of a paragraph and yeah like, huh. and then he's he always goes back and forth timelines so yeah. he obviously he's narrating from um just as a general overall les has just received an invitation for his past oh um past lover, young, very young man called um, Freddie Pelu, who he was seeing for like nine years, um, I believe. And, you know, had to, he had to end it. He was seeing somebody else and he's just received a wedding invitation. And he's just like, oh my God, my life is basically a little bit mediocre. I'm yeah. almost a failed writer. Um, I've um, been, was dating this um, Robert Brownburn, who's like this Pulitzer Prize uh, poet and writer. I haven't got nothing going for me. You know, Robert left me in a house that I live in. Just dull, yep. a bit, a bit dull, but also just very like quaint. Yeah, I think it's um, a very simple Arthur, life. It's not yeah. extravagant. It's not yeah. exciting. It's quite boring. He has boring. like nemesises, and he has like <laughs> for, you know, he knows that going to this wedding will be a bit sad. So mm. what he does is he says he sees all these this mail that's come in and requests for him to do things like mm. a panel in here or an award here or a guest lecture for a few weeks at, in this country and he plans his sort of year or whatever traveling the world but also having this broken heart in a way that he doesn't almost want to talk about because it's not something that is at the center but I um but remember when he lands in Mexico mm-hmm. and then there was a line where he talks about just landing in Mexico and being taken by around by people who don't understand the language like he doesn't don't speak English blah 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 and then the part when he he literally goes I woke up how, like you know, Les woke up having had a bit of a rough night, mm. um, 
a few words had kept him up, which was the words of the last words that uh, Freddie told him. And he was a bit distressed. And then the story just moves on. And you realise, like, oh, my God, like, you just had a really rough night because mm. you were remembering, like, saying goodbye to yeah. somebody that you loved. But yep. it's not something that he's focused on. So I, I think mean, it was so beautiful. Like, I this book is really it's, really it's really well written. I mean, it has... Really um, well written. It has some, uh, <laughs> some really triggering tones. Um, about, yeah. I think there's a part um, towards the end where he, the, he meets this woman. I completely forgot her name. I was just reading it, but, um, and she's she's telling him about because they're both going to turn fifty like within a day of each other. Yeah, and she's a lesbian, and he and less is, um, like, less gay. is gay. Yeah, and she's basically like, oh, here are some rules for turning fifty: <laughs> fuck love, um, get fat, and just live the rest of your. Rest of, live the rest of your life as you wish and want to. Like, just don't get caught up in all of the bullshit that is love. But then he has another friend, uh, I think his name's Lewis, who's telling him about um, how he left, how he was in a relationship with, with someone. Mm. And it was clear that the relationship, the guy that he was with, he said, oh, I'm going to be in this relationship with you for 10 years. And then after 10 years, we're going to decide what happens next. And ten years, you know. Yeah, so Lewis was like, okay, well, ten years. In his head, obviously, you're thinking ten years is far away, and then you know people aren't really gonna people aren't gonna think about that in ten years. Yeah. So when it gets to ten years, came now, the guy was like, okay, so ten years are up. Um, <laughs> like you're on some sentence. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's not gonna be. It's not the end of the world. I'm just. I made it clear. Mm. Um, and but then he was like, you know, let's do another ten, and they just said, okay, cool. So they did twenty years, and then he and then they and they left. Like literally, and then but the, but the piece that like Lewis had was just like, you know, you have to understand that like it's this whole thing that I have about attachment to mm. things. He's like, you know, we ha- we were in love, we had that thing, we had it. When you start holding on to things for too long, mm. he was like, he kind of used the illusion like you hold onto a house for too long, and when the love is no longer in it, it becomes a ghost house. Mm. When really, of, it's just you know, what I'm saying it's just a house. And he was just like, at the end of the day, you've got to um, you got to appreciate person that you're with for the time that you're with them and he's like the guy he's like the guy's getting married like to somebody else that he met that they that they both met at one particular time when they split up he kept in contact with him but he said that his ex is the person that he still goes to for advice mm. they still talk they're cordial but he's just like change your perspective on love because obviously Arthur's stressed out about Freddie getting yeah, married yeah. and being invited to the wedding and all this different stuff so it's very, it's Freddie like, always deals with it like Freddie I'm mean, sorry um yeah. Arthur deals, I feel like he's been through quite a lot in terms of love, but it's so weird because he has been in both types of situations. So he was a young man, I think he was 21 when he mm. met um, Robert, who was in um, was married to this woman, um, and he was very, like, he was much older than Just him. Just people, man. Fam. <laughs> and then, Just and then it's so weird because then he got into a relationship with Freddie, and he was the older man, and yeah. Freddie was the younger man. And so he's been in both types of situations where he is serving the artist yeah. and giving him trying to be there for him being almost he's like muse at home or whatever and then the 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 narrative switches over and he's also that person but i do think that this book is very it's almost existential in a way i think it's very existential because it really talks meaning about what? meaning what it really talks about the individual mm. and how you go through life mm. and how um, how you handle situations and mm. how because it's almost as if Les isn't alive mm. like you know he's almost questioning he, who he is at each milestone yeah. the whole idea of turning 50 yeah. what does that mean to him as a human being yeah. even like when you're young so there's, there's, there are so many discussions 
of what it means to be a particular age and what you should be talking about, especially when, so when, um, when, sorry, when Arthur meets um, Robert's wife for the first time at the beach when he was 21, there's a part where she said to him, um, you should be at the beach like today. You should get um, stoned. So this is him talking, her talking about, oh, you're turning, you're 21. Ah, oh, this is what you should be doing at mm. 21. Mm. You should be at the beach like today. You should get stoned and drunk and have loads of sex. She <laughs> takes another drag of her cigarette. I think the saddest thing in the world is a 25 year old talking about the stock market or taxes or real estate. God damn it. That's all you'll talk about when you're 40. Real estate. Mm. Any 25 year old who says the world refinance should be taken out and shot. Talk about <laughs> love and music and poetry, things everyone forgets they ever thought were important. Waste every day. That's what I say. Mm. And it's, it's hilarious. And because obviously now, well, me anyway, when she said refinance, I was like, oh, damn, I, do, I talk about that every day, yeah. you know? And um, it's hilarious because it's, that's why I say it's very existential because it really makes you question what matters to you at a particular point in your life and whether that changes throughout, what you should be caring about at certain points in your life, what is important in mm -hmm. life, what isn't, and is life important? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, he asks a lot of questions in this book. Um, but also, so one of the big things that I was looking at was aging mm. and about how we kind of approach aging mm. and what that looks like. So I don't, know whether, I don't know about you, but are you very aware that you're in your 20s, you're in your 20s body sort of thing? Because this book was kind of making me, he was like, he was basically like, <laughs> Oh yeah, he, he talked about how he, like, yeah, descriptions like, of how he looks like, yeah. and he felt he was like, like, oh, yeah. I was in the bath, like, how he, oh, longed, yeah. how he longed to be in the bath of his 25-year-old body, he and sitting yeah, there, yeah. and like, but he now he has like, a bit of a pudge, but now he has a bit of a pudge, and he's like, 50, turning 50, and he's at this stage, now I'm just like, hmm, so I sat down and looked at myself, because I was like, Alex, this body, <laughs> like, me, what is going on? But at the same time, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, I just find it hilarious that I, it was a question about how do we look at ourselves. It's like it's kind of when you, when you look at youth, right? Yeah. You forget all that you fit. Like, what am I trying to say? Like, you will look at your adolescence, right? We can, we can look at fifteen and 20, fifteen and early twenty-year-olds, right? Yeah. And look at them and be like, ah, oh, I remember when I was thirteen. I remember when I was fourteen. I was kind mm. of long for those days at fifteen. But you don't really think about your body then. But then when you're in your 20s, you're kind of looking at, like, you know, people are in the gym, people are eating this particular thing mm. to get this way because they don't yeah. want to look, like, frumpy when they get older. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of made me really aware of my 20-year-old yeah, body. Was, yeah, it was a big topic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, your body and how there was a lot of descriptions of his, his hair and his abdomen. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even mad at 22. I, had, I put on so much weight. And I was in, yeah. like, the picture that I put on my Instagram story. Oh, yeah. So I was 20. Was I 22? I was 20. 20. In my second year, yeah, and it was just like, I, I, I don't know, but like when you look at it, you, mm. when I think of like what your body was like then and kind of how conscious you are of it throughout most of your 20s or the, the latter half of your mm. 20s, because you realize you read all these studies about your metabolism slows down, but and it's like, so weird because like it is like later, like yeah. mid to late 20s, like you're, you're becoming more conscious of your body, yeah. and I think maybe because you're just becoming more conscious of your own mortality, exactly. Because literally, I never really thought about my body when I was younger because mm. I was more I was more in tune with my mind in terms of what I wanted to achieve so I was just I was very studious my biggest thing was studying and um, it's only now actually that I'm very aware of my body yep. and I'm thinking about it more and I'm in group chats with women who 
you know, we talk about about gym so much. Like I'm going to the gym literally every day and there's something that happens, I think. Beware of overworking out though. I know. Because then once you get injured, it's a wrap. I know, but I... And your body needs time to heal. Yeah, I know. I haven't been the past two days because okay. I've just been so down and like, yeah. my body has been down. Yeah. And so uh, my friends were like, actually, you need to... Like, this isn't the end of the world if you don't go to the my gym lower back one day. Today? Sitting on the tube? Fam. I was sitting down, I was like, listen, I need this seat. I don't know who's... <laughs> you know, we've had the conversation several times. And I'm just like, you know what? You I can pur- stand. I purposely don't sit in the priority seat. I put in the seat next to it. So people yeah. can't even look at me. And be like... Because I'm sitting down yeah. already. Like, yeah. no, don't look at me. Don't it's look like, at me. It's not the priority seat. But yeah, I, this book is... Yeah, <laughs> My more, lower back hurts. Mortality and no, the idea life. of ageing is very prominent because also the narrative style is always yeah. popping back to youth coming back into the modern times and it's so weird how well he does it he really because there'll be different types not chapters mm. there'll be different paragraphs talking about youth and different paragraphs talking about him currently at, at 49 but in the end of each one he'll always take a certain sentence um from youth mm. that he's currently thinking about in his current age mm-hmm. um and i do think that's quite a talent that um andrew has it's wonderful, isn't yeah. it? Like, just thinking about it, it's about really it, well done. Yeah, it's really well done. But then it's like, I was listening to um, Emma Gannon's podcast. Mm. Um, she was talking to, about, um, to Dolly Alderton yeah. about um, things I know about love or whatever. Yeah. I think the book's called. And they were talking, they were talking about turning 30. Mm. Obviously, like, it's like, it's like cusp. It's not far off for some people. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. And um, yeah, so like you... It's like uh, anybody that I know that's in their thirties, like, they're just like they're just like it's like the best. Oh my god, I'm so excited! It's, it's, it's the best few. It's the best turning. It's the best like yeah. ten years of your I'm life so because you're no, you're you've learned all the lessons of the twenties, and you're in your thirties, and you're like you can just say I'm thirty. I have this, oh I have god. this authority yes. about being thirty. Yeah. You can even put it in your email. You can be like like I'm thirty. I'm thirty. I'm not no small small child. I'm no. <laughs> but like, it's, but there's this, but there's this kind of like thing about um, that Emma was saying that when you are in your twenties, you kind of get away with a lot of stuff. Like you can say, oh, I made that mistake with that person. I'm in my twenties. It's a mistake that I made, or I sent this wrong email. But you know, I'm young. Like mm-hmm. I made that mistake, mm-hmm. or you know, what I mean, like I I did this with the, I did this with this person. I effed up that relationship. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm in my twenties. That's what I do. But when you're thirty, <laughs> when you're thirty, and you're like, well, you're a big person. Like yeah. you need to start doing that. But there isn't there isn't any this all self-imposed kind of like things you can you can fuck up in your 30s you can fuck up in your 40s it's okay like and it, it's okay but when you're in your 30 like you have been an adult longer than you've been a teen yeah. and a child i do think so madness i do think that between the ages of 25 and 29 yeah. <laughs> it's actually just mess and oh, it's God. so weird because i never really thought that it could happen to me because in my head <laughs> you never thought that you could I, age no as in i never thought that mess. i would experience that sh- that uh that learning because mm. obviously when like i can't lie to you yeah <laughs> when i was young i really thought i knew everything i'm not when, even gonna when lie when you were young yeah okay when when i was a teen okay no no, no. Let, you, let me break it down for you let me break friend, it down my friend when did it stop <laughs> no stop let me break it down for you yeah okay. obviously i was quite an audacious child i spoke out loud and i was quite I'm very loud in, in what I think and believe. But when I turned 25, I realized that I had to become a bit silent, not because I don't I don't believe in what I say, is that I some I realized that some of my um, opinions 
I cannot voice unless they are well informed. And I felt it's so weird when people are talking about something and you want to say something, but you know deep in your heart that your opinion is not well informed. It's going on more of just um, feeling and not research and understanding. And I think you can get away with that when you're younger if you can articulate your feelings. And I think that's why when you're younger, you're just like, blah, 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 this is how I feel. Um, and it's almost like you can get away with it because the people around you are just as dumb as you, right? <laughs> but when you get to a certain age, you actually you recognize that there is a gap in something. And I think mm. that's what I've realized now is that actually, Raven doesn't know everything. And that is okay <laughs> because I don't have to always speak about something. I can literally just sit down, research, learn about it. But I stopped, I realized I stopped learning. I remember I talked about this last year mm. when I was like looking to read people's dissertations and stuff because I recognized that I had stopped learning and the decisions that I have formed and my opinions that were so funny. just stopped at a certain point. That's so funny because your, your perspective of learning is the academic. No, not just, not just that, so just would, life as well. Because, oh, okay. but why like, would you read yeah. someone's dissertation? I know, but that's one thing I was like, I yeah, I was literally like, maybe I should read academic texts. And, nah. and, you know. But now I'm like, actually, it's just life. And sometimes... Sometimes you just have to go through life and go through the trials and understand that they are lessons and that you can just come out on the other side. And I do think that, just taking it back to the book, this is why I think Arthur is very laid back. You know, he's very laid back. Sometimes people just speak over him. And before I'd be quite angry, but now, but now I'm like, it's okay. Because these people just need to get whatever it is that they want to say out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, quite, I, like, I, like I like I like I like reading about the perspective of turning turning fifty because God all being well and God sparing my life, I, I will be turning fifty I mean, at some I mean. at, at some particular point. How do you feel about turning thirty? I don't know. What are you asking me for? I'm close to there. I mean, yeah, you are. <laughs> wow, you're gonna put me out on this whole entire podcast. Um, hmm, how do I feel about that? I don't. Mean, I feel okay. Like I feel like. I feel like I've been 30 since I was 15, so... Okay, shut up. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've already experienced yeah. what that... Well, I need to but, um, yeah, being at this stage in my 20s, I don't think being 30 is going to be the biggest deal because mm. I, I, I hope, like, to kind of, like, celebrate every moment mm-hmm. of my 30s because at that point, like, you're literally answerable to nobody and to no one. Because what's the point? Like, no one can really tell you, oh, you should be, no, you can't tell me nothing. nothing. I'm not like, you're your parents' children forever, but you're not a child. So you can't tell you anything. Like, you just, you live the life you want to live. Um, I was watching um, Amanda Seals. Um, She's, um, I think she's Tiffany in Insecure. Mm. And then I was watching her Breakfast Club interview. And she was talking about, like, she's like 36, 37. And I think, and she's single. Mm. And I was looking at, and I'm kind of looking at a lot of the American personalities and the ones that are successful and doing all their different stuff at, at their age. And she's just, and like, just being in your 30s, this looks like you've, li- you've literally, you've had the experience, like you know exactly what you want, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, she's not looking for a partner, but she has a roster, she's doing all these different mm-hmm. things, you know, she's still doing oh, what she's I doing. And, um, yeah. and it was really dope, like, just to see and just to think, like, all my friends who are in their 30s are, out here still kind of like creating and working and yeah. just getting on with their life and, and living it unapologetically. I really love. They have a sense yeah. of self. Currently, um, I think between 25 and, t- and 29, it's like life is a little bit precarious, mm-hmm. almost like tumbling. And then I think you hit 30 and I don't know what it is that something changes and the air changes and you're just walking very, very different, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Beyonce right. has a song called Scooting Life. That's a, that's a tune though. I big, big tune. Yeah, that's a tune. I can't lie. Right? Like, I, I remember there's days when I, I wake up and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually just like, ooh, this Right? Let me find the, because she, she, um, she talks about Thirsty, I think. This is for them 20 something. Yep. Time really rules fast. You it, were just 16. Yeah, and you're like, wow. <laughs> this is for them 30 something. That didn't turn out exactly how your mom and dad wanted you to be. And ooh. this is it. Right? Yeah, she's not interested in like, you know what I mean? Like, and she's like, you know, your school in life. Like, life, life like, is really happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to continue until it stops for you. So, but yeah, I think aging much. is personally for me, I don't really fear it anymore. I mm. used to fear it when I was younger um, because it was the unknown. But I, now I've learned to embrace that the unknown is so magical. Yeah. You really have, I currently can sit here and tell you, I have no idea mm. what I will be doing next year. No idea. Like, no idea. No, I have things, plans, I but think, they, like, no, I, mean, I like, plan, but God is the best of planners, you know? what I'm saying? Like, you know, like life will come at you in whichever way Real it has to come at you. Fast. You can have your idea. For me, I have my ideas, I have my visions, I have my things I want to put out there. Mm. But how it happens, I'm just like, you know what, God, the universe. Take the wheel. The mother of eternal, of eternal I cycles. I will give you the strength <laughs> and the power, but really this ride is, this is what and I'm I saying. think that is almost like the beauty in life mm. is that, and people used to say this to me and I used to be like, first of all, you're mad. Mm. Be like, oh, you know, the beauty of life is the unknown. You just don't know what's gonna it happen. It is the unknown, you, like, you don't know what's gonna happen. It really is, like, it's so amazing because you will have all these convictions and sometimes things will come at you from the side of your neck Yeah. and they will, put you down and you are like, oh my God, this isn't what I planned for. But honestly, I think it's the most beautiful thing. Like lessons are the cornerstones of living life. Honestly, for real, for real. Um, Like, so there's all these, there's in this topic, in this book also, there's also these topics about love (laughs) and about what that means and age gaps and all these these things. And like, I think that for you to reach 50 and not have a... Because I think there's a stereotypical kind of thing in the gay community with regards to the book that mm. he was like, oh, you know, when he was talking to Lewis, who I mentioned earlier, who was in a 10-year relationship and another 10-year relationship yeah. with the same person. Um, and Arthur was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you ended it. Like, you were the only person that went, like, that gave that gave gay people hope <laughs> about a long-term relationship. Yeah. And I was like, listening to him, I was like, well, in any, in any relationship, he was just, I was thinking like, Life isn't like he, I think Lewis was like you, you're not you're not pegged to one person like in life. Mm. The whole idea of um, you know doing this soulmate soulmate situation or partner for life situation or what or this romantic notion of what love is like this earth shattering kind of thing. It's it, the thing is, but like I mean, I, I don't discount that part of it. Love is amazing. I don't I don't discount that part of it. It's true. But the woman that I mentioned in the book who was like the lesbian, she was basically like love is scrubbing the floors and not feeling angry that you're scrubbing the floors in front of the other person. <laughs> love is washing the dishes or um, ignoring their habits because you love the person. You love That's them more lovely. than the, yeah. the task but at like, it's not this, She's like, it's not this earth shattering void in life where you can't live without whatever. She's just like... That's just madness. That's what I call exactly. it. That's, That's madness. Exactly. That's what she said. <laughs> she we said. have all been mad. <laughs> like, you know, like it's actually madness. So, um, and I found it very interesting to to see that perspective because yeah, like, you, yeah, we've all like, we've all been in fact well, don't, 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 know anybody, don't know anybody's lives, but you know, in particular families, you do see you'll see certain aunties and uncles, parents or whatever, or cousins or sisters, whatever, and they're in relationships and you're looking at it and thinking, Oh, how do you put up with that, etc. Mm-hmm. But there's this deep ingrained I feel like there's sometimes there's this deep ingrained essence of like 
I love this person, mm-hmm. so I'm going to put up with certain things. And a part of me is like, I, I don't know how... I don't think it's putting up. I think that's the wrong word, maybe. Because mm. I think, listen, like nobody in this world is perfect. Um, everybody has their, you know, things that are not deficits, because I don't really look at imperfections as deficits. You are just the person. This is just you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't have to love everything about somebody to, to love them mm. overall. And it's not even a matter of mathematics, like this is how much I love them, this is what annoys me, equals what is, is it a positive figure or is it a negative figure? It's just that you love this person with their flaws and not like, you know that, you know, you see your flaws as like perfect, no, like your flaws are flaws, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're still flaws. It still annoys me that you Mm -hmm. don't know how to, you know, wash the dishes properly, do you know what I mean? It still annoys me that you do all of these things, but you have to figure out what matters to you more. Yeah, out here plugging my, plugging my brand. Sorry, yeah, what, what matters? What matters? Hey, to, okay, what sorry about that. But yeah, you have to realize that, and <laughs> no, I true. think it's you true. need to understand that nobody is perfect. And I think that's what I've had to understand a lot about dealing with people yeah, because it's true. for me, I'm like, oh well, I'm amazing, and I'm actually ready for like now. There is so much that you need to learn, and so much that you need to deal with, and so much that you need to understand that you're not perfect at. Um, and other and other people are the same. You know, mm. you can't have flaws and expect to hold people up on different types of pedestals. You know, yeah. and as soon as you understand that, then maybe, then you can understand why people love. There is obviously something that you just can't accept. Yeah. Even if yeah, you love yeah, a person, yeah, yeah. that's just absolute madness, right? But yeah, I think per, like in the whole idea of like earth shattering love. Remember in this book when um, he's in New York, Les is in New York to like interview some author. And um, he runs into um, Howard, who is a past lover, and he doesn't remember him. Oh, remember. yeah. Yeah, he doesn't remember who he is. So this guy is just hugging him. That's like, oh, my God. Awkward. I was telling, you know, how I was just talking about <laughs> Triggered. you. Triggered. And Les is like, who is this old, bold man? Like, I don't know him. And it's only when he says a certain thing, like a certain line, higher, higher, like taking a picture, um, that's when he remembers. And Howard... About, having a, about, about specific sex. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, and no, then, higher, higher, higher. 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 Um, <laughs> apparently, it wasn't really great. Um, look at you giggling. <laughs> but um, I think what's hilarious is Howard was saying, kept on saying this word. He kept on saying this line. Oh my god, I thought I could never get over you. Mm. I thought I could never move on. Oh my god, like. Wow, and he's probably laughing with his lover, like right there, like oh my god, wow, like I thought I could, and it's so weird how yeah, you you get over this bullshit. You really do, like you really do, and that's why I think it's so nice in a way that because in the beginning I thought Arthur Les was just devoid of emotion, was mm. just like like oh why are you so clinical in a way, but he's so full of life in a way that he's fifty mm. because he has experienced all of these things and he doesn't need to justify it and tell people, oh, I have experienced love. Oh, I have experienced pain. Oh, I'm going through heartbreak and therefore you must know. You know that mm. young 20, certain year olds like myself do. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but he has, he's been through all of that, that it's okay that his heartbreak takes a, a, a lesser like role because he's got other shit to do. Yeah. He needs to travel the world and give a talk. Yeah. That's, that's what's important to him right this now. This is it. Do you know this what I mean? It. This is it. There's another thing that Amanda Seals was saying was about I think a, few, a lot of people have said this. I mean, obviously, you can tell I've been watching a lot of interviews. Yeah. But um, <laughs> um, a lot of people were saying Someone things. Someone give like, this guy an article to write, please. <laughs> See, just at home. Give me an just article to write, people. <laughs> I have, like, I'm full amounts of time. My man really. is doing freelance, so please. Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then she was just like, 
oh, you know, you fight to you fight to get someone back and not fight to keep them, sort of thing. When you mm. know, when when relationships kind of move on and all these different um, aspects of how to be in a relationship, because mm. I think a lot of the topic, the topic that came up was about Offset going onto this Cardi B's uh, stage to apologise to her. Like, oh, that, oh, god, that mess! That was disgusting. But at the same time, like he was, it was about um, you know, it made me think a lot about when you're thinking about that love, about the kind of work that comes with it. I mean, Will Smith posts a lot about this um, and a lot of other successful entrepreneurs who have, like, are married. They're just like, you know what, it's great getting married and it's amazing when you're young and, oh my God, you're just in this whirlwind of love and you're having this ceremony and this amazing dress and this amazing suits. But she's like, but they're like this, the work that comes with it to make to make it 20 years or whatever. And, you know, I think there's a quote in, the, in here, in Less, and uh, Lewis was like, you know, if you're with anybody for 20 years, that's a success in itself. Absolutely. Like, and if it ends... People at, don't even it, go for a year. Exactly. If it's, if it's, if it ends at 20, oh you, you should know that you're successful. Like, if you've had a successful relationship. And it's not even a waste of time because I hate it when people... Like, obviously, I felt that way so many times. But now I'm coming around to the idea that it's not, like, mm. time... Even if it doesn't end up well, it's, it's, an, it's con- a good investment. If you're not you know? continually growing with the person, it just makes. It, I look at it and I think to myself, but 20 years is a long time. It is a long time. Like, but but if, you're not, if, you're not, if you both are on the same page and growing at the same rate and working on each other as you go, then it just becomes. It just becomes a redundant. They just sit in with somebody yeah. that, you, that you probably just don't end up liking. Exactly. <laughs> and then 25 That's years it. in. You actually need to like somebody. Okay. I, don't, I don't think you can go through 25 years without liking somebody because that's just mad. No, the thing is, that, like, it's always this thing, like, you, you like them at the beginning, innit? Like, I mean, I've, had, I've seen pictures of, like, my family members and who are married and partners mm-hmm. and like, they're, like, all happy and lonely. And then, and, it, you know, and, like, yeah. the first two, three, four years, maybe five. Yeah. And then you just see, like, gradually <laughs> the pictures are like, I just can't stand this nigga. Why are you here? Actually, Why are you it's so my... weird you talk about you know that I mean? in this book, um, there was a point where Andrew mentions that you never, you never notice the golden years, the years when everything is perfect. I think he mentioned when he, they went to... Italy for the first time um, for he like uh, Robert sorry uh, Les was with Robert at the time mm-hmm. and they went to Italy and they it was like because they were together for like nine years I think this was like four years into their relationship where everything was great they've kind of understood each other they are upholding each other they have a almost a routine but their love is not he mentioned it's not you know the passionate love it's the comfortable companionship type of loving and um, mm-hmm. he mentioned that um, that whole idea of almost like you don't recognise the golden years, the years where you're not in love, that infatuation, early stage honeymoon phase. Mm. You're not bitter. You're in that perfect golden moment where everything, you understand mm. each other. And it's so, and I think to try and capture that for a very, very long time mm. is wonderful. And I think that's what people should aim for yeah. rather than oh, I love you, I must have you now. Let me cry if you're not here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think also there was a part in here that I really liked where um, Les was being, was talking about the idea, was being asked, he was in Mexico, and this guy was asking him, oh, you know, how was it like being with a genius? Um, oh, yeah. And I thought that was hilarious because obviously Les is dragged to these places on the mere fact that he was with uh, Robert Brownburn for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I wanted to read it, but he was explaining it and it was super like amazing. Um, Cause there was a point where he was going to cheat. Well, no, he was cheating mm. 
on, on, on Robert. Um, and he was like, he lost his ring in a pot, in like a pot of um, mushrooms. And he was like, if I lose this ring and I go home, like he, he knows that I'm cheating. Mm. I know I'm cheating. It will be the end of our relationship in mm. a way. And he went through almost a little spiral. Mm. And then he, <laughs> there was a bunch of like straight men who was helping him find this um, <laughs> ring. And yeah. they finally found it. It was so funny the way he described them. Like, oh, is this, he goes, was this how men felt, straight men, alone so often, but if they faltered, if they lost a wedding ring, then the whole band of brothers would descend to fix the problem. Mad. Life was not hard. You, sh you shouldered it bravely, knowing all the time that if you sent the signal, help would arrive. How wonderful to be part of such a club. Half a dozen men gathered around, engaged in the task to save his marriage and his pride. So um, they did have hearts after all. They were not cold, <laughs> cruel dominators. They were not high school bullies to be avoided in the halls. They were good. They were kind. They came to the rescue and told Les, um, and today Les was one of them. And at the end, he went home and tried to, he was explaining all of this to Robert. And instead of like Robert being angry, he said, and in the telling, laughing at himself, he watched as Robert looked up from his chair and saw everything. As in, he saw this whole spiral of events, he was able to understand him, and he goes, that was, that's what it was like to live with a genius. And I was like, that is so, it was such an amazing passage. I literally stopped and I was like, that is so nice. Yeah. The fact that you can have, like, what is it like living with somebody that like, you love mm -hmm. and is completely and amazing. Admired. That you yeah. admired, and it's like, it's going through this turmoil of losing my ring in a supermarket, knowing that I'm cheating on him, also knowing that if I go home and I don't have the ring, it's essentially the end of our you know, relationship, even though we're not married. And a bunch of straight men came and helped me and I found the ring and I went home and instead of our relationship ending, we're actually together. It's madness. Oh, look, you understand all of this? Yeah, I do. That's hilarious. Oh, great. It's madness. Yeah, I, I, it was, it was, I really loved it. Madness. Which madness. is why I think you guys should read this book. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the book? Anything um, you want to add? Oh, just the narrative voice is, I think, some, like, the funniest thing ever. Well-deserved award. I think so. It's a smart book. It's written really well. Yeah. And I'm so annoyed I didn't write it in the beginning because I just put it aside for yeah. half a year. Yeah. Literally, I was like, oh, it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, if you have any books that you want us to read, let us know what you, what you want, uh, what you would like us to read. And if you have any messages about this book, let us know. Make sure you tweet us at the relevant places. Um, so, yeah, should, yeah. We, should we move on to Let's mostly... Flicks. Mostly flicks. Um, so, what are you watching, Alex? Uh, what, what am I watching? <laughs> what am I not watching? Anyway, um, let me think about what I'm watching. So, I watched, um, I started watching this, did I, did I tell you I was like watching Night Flyers? No. This did George R.R. R. Martin, um, based on his novel, Night Flyers. Shut up. No. Yeah, it's, on, it's on Netflix. So, hey, is it good? It's a mess. Oh, no. Um, it's a mess as only George R. Martin could make it. Of course it's a mess. Um, a lot of blood. Um, quite scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's a, it's, you know, it's a slow, they're very slow starters. It's a very slow starter, I would say. And You've really been on this Netflix thing, you know? Yeah, no, I've got yeah. a subscription. Why, why not? Like, That's true. May as well just keep it moving. Um, yeah. So Nightflies is, but I feel like Nightflies is good, but I, there are things that you kind of want to continue pushing with it. Like for me, it's, some of it is confusing mm. because it's so long and it's so dense and mm -hmm. there's things that you need to keep up with in order for you to progress to the next 
part of the... Is it like a Game of Thrones? Because, you know, that was quite hard for lots of people to begin with. Yeah, it took, again, it, like, it took me three times to start the, to start it. Yeah. And to actually sit down and watch what and was happening. Concentrate, yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, I, think, I haven't finished the season yet. Um, I think I've taken a break from it because it was quite intense. Really? In places. Yeah, I just felt like... It was a bit. It was a bit consuming. Far too, far too much. Like was happening at one time. Yeah. Like, I, like multiple storylines, multiple things that you got to think about. You're multiple like, ah. people that are going for X, Y, and Z. The time period is like set in two thousand and ninety-three or something. Oh wow! And it's like all of these different. What's the crux of it? Like, what is so night? Her night. So the 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 ship that they're on is mm-hmm. called the Night Flyer, and they are particular. There's a captain. Captain and he's like cool sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi. It's a oh, sci-fi. Sorry, yeah, it. it's a sci-fi show. I'm gonna love it. Yeah, um, it's captain and then there's a crew and they're basically set on this expedition to um, contact some alien life force, and they have to. to they, 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 yeah, they want to connect with this person, but then these I think they're called the Volcron. Yeah. And but as they get closer to the Volcron, things start to move mad on the outside. Inwards, oh but then God. also there's a, there's a there's a huge like force on how, the, how on that. How did you not show. text me that you're watching this stuff? <laughs> I just, I mean, like, who like, are you? Do you not know who I am? But like it's not. Like, I didn't. I was, I was just trying to see what I felt about it. Yeah. I always do that before I suggest a show. Like, yeah, you told me to sit, to watch Time. Timeless. Timeless. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna sit and watch an episode. Okay. And um, yeah, like so, Night Flies is Night Flies is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is only as uh, George R. Martin could make it. Like, yeah. You know, hella storylines, hella blood, hella. Gore. Hello, gore. A lot of sex. All <laughs> of course. Um, what are you doing? Because I'll, I'll come to my next yeah. thing after you. So. Um, I'm watching Suits. <laughs> oh, um, so obviously... I gave up. <laughs> I can't give up because I don't like to give up shows. This is why I have to go back and finish the last few episodes of Scandal. And it's always on my mind. And I, used to, and I have to also continue with How to Get Away with Murder because I stopped that. Um, but yeah, I'm watching Suits because... To be very honest with you, like since Jessica left, it's been a downward spiral. However, the recent three episodes that I've seen on Netflix have actually not been too bad. Mm. Um, I love that they are bringing in other characters in now. So like Christina is, is it Christina? She's quite, I think her name is Diana, but she's quite a prominent part now that she's a junior partner. Okay. And obviously they brought um, Catherine Hagel um, into this new season. And oh. I think she's amazing. I love Catherine Hagel. she got booted off Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> That's she, like years ago. Years ago. Yeah. But yeah, she got beat off because she, apparently she's a bit of a drama queen. Mad, yeah. It's so weird because her character in, is amazing. And I really want Lizzie to, Izzy to come back. Shonda has this thing where if you move mad, she'll move madder. She, oh, she's literally <laughs> like, what? Like, On my show? You know what I mean? Patrick, oh, you Patrick, Patrick, Patrick Dempsey. Was he like, moving mad? Yeah, Patrick Dempsey moved mad, so she got rid of him. Um, Just killed the guy who The guy who played, um, is it Isaiah Burke? Is it Isaiah Burke? Burke. Burke. Yeah, he, he moved, moved mad. Like, basically, he said some homophobic stuff impulsing like up. off behind the scenes you know. and she's like bye. bye that's why you are you're off to like yeah she brought him, brought, brought, him back, brought him back brought him back a few Frankfurt. seasons like brought him, yeah, brought a few brought seasons, him back like, for like, like one episode yeah. yeah but otherwise there's that cut um yeah and then obviously Catherine Hagel she was a drama queen and she yeah. was like you know it's what? actually, it's actually her is. mother because Catherine Hagel's mother is her manager and apparently it's oh. her mother that like, is like a mad madness all oh, right okay yeah she's like a Chris Jenner or just without all right okay you know, <laughs> whatever it is that Christian has. Um, but yeah, so I'm watching Suits and I've really enjoyed it. I started watching um, Sex Education. Okay, what do you think about it? <laughs> what in the 90210 <laughs> Mean Girls um, Waterloo Road is this mystery? <laughs> 90210. <laughs> because when mean you said Waterloo. like it was a definite crossover, oh my God, this is, I'm literally like. It's perfect for our times. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, this isn't. 
I'm like, this isn't London, but also it's not the US. I'm confused. But they're British, what? so we just take it as it comes. What? But yeah, um, my favourite character is Jackson. Jackson. The Jackson. black guy who likes, um, I think he likes uh, Jackson. The swimmer. The swimmer. Yeah, yeah. I really like him. And I, I think he's super cute. Yeah. Oh my God, he's, he's so my type on paper. <laughs> you know, I'm like, if I was a kid, you are so my type on paper. It's just like, the thing is, right, yeah, like, I was watching it and I was thinking, how are they going to develop this thing? Oh, don't spoil it because I'm just oh, the part where they just... She's just met his parents. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the women. The women. Yeah, and, and there's a lesbian couple. Yeah, and then she like sneaks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Like, somebody's like the, vagina the, has been exposed. It's just all... The season moves mad. Yeah. But I really don't like... Um, also, are they going to play off this thing where... Who's that bully? Is their thingy's head teacher's son? Oh, yeah. I forgot his name, but yeah. I forgot his name, but is he... He's basically gay, right? How do you know that? Because... What makes you think that? I think they're going to go on the trope of the bully. He's obsessed with what's-his-face. Oh, I, I don't know what people's names. Eric. Eric, right? And I'm like, why are you obsessed? Like, like you're not... Adam, isn't it? Adam, Adam I yeah. think it is. I'm like, what's your issue? Because there's a, it actually is not, like... It's not that deep. Yeah. yeah. This person has nothing to you. Yeah, it's just One, this, 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 this... Nah, so I think they're going to play off that trope that he's yeah. also, like, you know, he's... In, in, in touch with his homosexual side yeah. and he doesn't know how to express it yeah. oh and maybe Watch one it. way and I think that's why but I'm not a fan of that trope because yeah. like it's a bit basic but it happens yeah it happens you know does it yeah I guess because it's like it's one of them things where people I feel like it's played like, out like but, it's, but it's, a, it's a truth, you know mm. what I mean? Like, you, it's, that, it's that whole thing, like, if somebody, when you're in primary school, and then, like, the boy is picking on you, picking on you, picking on you, picking yeah. on you, like, because he likes you, for I example, do you know what I mean? But that, that goes up into yeah, secondary I school, guess, if, you've yeah. not, if you've not matured out of that, and if you don't know how to deal with distance, or but difference. Thing is, isn't or, that a bit childish, because well, yeah, a lot of the they're time... Still, they're, still, they're still children, remember, they're like, know, you know, they're sixth formers, they're like, they're not grown up. Okay, but at sixth form, I'm sorry, like... They're not grown up, you're not grown up at sixth form. You're not growing anyway. Okay, no, you have, <laughs> you have a mind at sixth form. Like, you yeah, can mind. actually, you can actually still, think that, and process whole, your emotions. That's the whole point of the show, I guess. Everything's like, it's sex education. Like, they're learning about all these different things. Like, the main character can't masturbate. So it's like, so he's really out here trying to do, that's his main issue yeah. about the whole show. But I thought it was a bit and mad like, how you're going to put, you're like, his mother, oh my God. Yeah, Gillian Anderson. Gillian is just hot yeah. on a different level. Yeah. Just, and, her, and her accent, I really love it. She is British, that I is know, her accent. But oh. it's just different, British. Yeah. Like, it's just so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And I started like researching her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found about her, like, her husband, yeah. who she broke up with, yeah. and her children. <laughs> She's on the X-Files. Like, yeah. I, I'm really in love with her. But she, when she said, um, I've noticed that you're, you're trying, she you're, came to you're do... pretending to masturbate. Um, <sighs> and I thought you might want to talk about it. And yeah. I was literally like... But I don't know what you... Okay, question. What would you do if your parent was a psychologist? A sex psychologist? Do you think, like, do you think that you'd be open and honest about all kinds of sex, your feelings that you have or I think if they were open about it, like, like, if they like, were that like his progressive, mother, I would. Like his mother's progressive. Like yeah, his like, mother's very progressive. So that's why I would like, yeah, 100%. But it depends on who you are. Like he's a very shy person. He yeah. doesn't kind of like that. And it depends on the child. And I think his, I think his mum 
needs to see that and she doesn't see that which is a fault on her part because there's different types of, of people mm-hmm. some people are much more expressive if they understand that they're going to be given that freedom to um you know but, talk about their emotions yeah she kind of she kind of gives him that space though she's like okay you don't want to talk about it that's fine but then she kind of then the maternal aspect of her yeah. is very much like oh i kind of want to make sure he's okay sort of yeah. thing but then the, the psychological the psychiatrist in her she's like i love that she, she just doesn't care she's like, she's, I, like, she's like i understand that you're going through this particular stage in your yeah. adolescent <laughs> life and you know you have to assert your own and then she was going i was like i would i don't know how i'll cope i, I think it would be okay i think it would be okay but then it's just like it blurs so many lines because it's your parent um so have you watched this film with oh what's that film with idris elba um and this woman who used to run poker games um oh liar's game is it like no I think it's the name of Molly's Game. Molly's, Molly's Game, Game, that's it. And in that film, I watched it, like, watch it. It's shot really, really well. Mm. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely on Prime. Okay. Um, but I watched it, and her father is um, a psychologist. But he, and he, he's raised really high-performing young um, adults. Mm. And she had a bit of an issue because she started rebelling against it and using his sort of psychology against mm. him. And it's so weird, at the end, they kind of rekindled their relationship through a sit down in a park when she was just losing it. And she said, and he said, I'm gonna give you three lessons that everybody that walks into therapy wants answered and it takes them like maybe 10 years. So let's start with year one. This is why this, 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 this happens. All right, now you've learned that lesson. Then they talk about it. Yeah. She breaks down. She starts crying to the, and then she goes, "Great." So, and this is all in a bench yeah. in like New York. Yeah. It's snowing, yeah. and she's lashing out. And she, and in the end, it's like, well, lesson three. You're like, and it's wonderful how mm. how it, like the relationship of a young child dealing yeah. with a father who's also a shrink. Yeah, yeah. so interesting. That would be I'll, really I'll cool. Give, I'll give it a watch. I feel like you'll you'll be like that though. Well, as a as a parent, you're quite shrinky. shrinky. So tell me exactly think, how you're feeling. I think I'm beginning to become shrinky. I wasn't before, but I'm beginning to become shrinky. <laughs> I, think, I, mean, I, see, I think we should all be shrinky. I'm looking, nah, I mean, if you're a licensed professional, then go, they go through. No, like, but definitely. My children will have a, a therapy fund. Um, Absolutely. And that will be just. You know thing. what's amazing? Once a month when they turn, when they get, become a teen. Because who knows? No, what I'm putting for. them early from, from like young. I mean, we're okay. going to have family therapy sessions. But I also think couples as well, like, by the grace of God, I'm in therapy with oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah. Before you marry good as well. Time, yeah, Especially before good times, you marry. Through bad times, yeah. everything. Because you need to understand like what, what it means what to be good are. and what it means to be bad. All right. yeah. Like, what's her name? Um, Miss, Tina, Miss Tina, she put Beyonce and um, Solange in therapy when they were young. Yeah, because, because they, were, they were battling with each other. And essentially, and Beyonce was becoming big and yeah. it's like, how, how is Solange going to do with this? Yeah. It needs to be, you know, yeah. I think that was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the last thing I'm watching is called The Sinner. Yeah. On Netflix now. Oh, does that have um, thingies? Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. Because I thought there's another one called something Sinner, and it's got. Uh, I'm stressed watching that. this film, watching this show. Is it the detective show? Oh God, I just I don't even know what to call it. I don't know what to call it, but it had me shook. Is it yeah. a show or a series? Um, a series. A series. Yeah, oh, it's called The Sinner, and I'm on season two. Oh, it's got and Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel was in the first season. Oh, so I yeah, I watched it, but I, I was confused and I stopped watching it with so Jessica Biel because I was a bit like... Basically, okay, in the first you, season... In the, you, yeah. Okay, so it's called The Sinner, right? Yeah. And it's about, I think it's, on the first season, it's just based around Jessica Biel's character. Like, for some, for some reason, on, a, on an average day at the beach, yeah. this mother 
just, just gonna be able, just yeah. goes crazy and stabs this man, man yeah. for what looks like no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, she lives a very regular life. She, she's like, a I mean, she's, mom, no, she's, like, she's, she's trying to have sex with her husband. She can't really have sex. It doesn't really feel good. She doesn't, there's things that are kind of like, she's not really aligned. Yeah. Um, and then over time, we start to, we like, they're trying to investigate why she killed this man. And, and she's like, not remembering and stuff, she's not remembering. right? There's things yeah, that she doesn't I understand. And like, you know, because she was, and then it's called the sinner because she grew up Catholic and her mum yeah. was like, oh, the reason your sister's um, ill, or she had like, yeah. she had like a, um, a degenerative disease. Yeah. Like, what? And um, she was like, she's, the reason why your sister's ill is because you took up all my energy yeah. when I gave birth to you and, you know, and because you sin and you're not, you know what I mean? All these different yeah. things. So and it, she like, and like looks so, at like little, like, she, her, because they're so, so conservative, yeah. they're not even allowed to read magazines yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, and it's a very interesting, as in, it's like one of them, you work backwards throughout the things to find out what the real reason was. What was it? Because I'm, I'm tired. I can't, I'll tell you after, I'll tell you after. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, the cinema, and then I'm on season two, yeah. And is it, it, oh, it's a different It's story. a different storyline, but it's the same detective. So oh, I'm like, this is just a mess. Like, really? But it's my, but it's a mess that I have to watch because I'm like, this is just. It's mess, mess. Like, the thing is, like, one of them ones you're watching and it's like, it's so beautifully shot and it's so yeah. like, and you're just like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine. Oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Like, who's going to get killed out of nowhere? Yeah. Um, it's a violent way. But yeah, I think the sin is good. The sin is yeah. good. I'm in the middle of season, I'm in the beginning, first episode of season one. Started it yesterday. Wait, but yeah. first episode of season two. Season two yeah, because I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, and this boy, I don't know what kind of demonic child <laughs> he is. You know, he's got an alter ego called Dark, called Dark Julian, Dark. Shadow Julian. Shadow. And I'm just like, wow, this is a madness. Um, great show, though. Great show. Mm. So that's what we're watching. Culture question. Culture question. Oh my God, we got a really, really, really cool question. Let me just get it up. Also, guys, remember, this section is all about you guys. So please write in and um, ask us any questions, mm. comments that you might have, um, criticism on popular culture that you want to share with us. So um, the amazing Claire, um, who goes by at Claire Shrugged on Twitter, sister Outrider messaged us and said the following. Hi guys, I have a question for the new part of the show. I've been trying to decolonize my bookshelves and mind over the last few years and have made huge progress through attending Barelit Festival each year and reading majority female writers of colour. But I find myself getting stuck past a certain point. When looking for escapism, I'm more comfortable in a white man's medieval fantasy series than a woman's Afrofuturism. Mm. It's so weird because I'm going to recommend more Afrofuturism. <laughs> <laughs> what would you recommend to, de to decolonize my comfort escapist reading? Thanks. So the first thing when I read this question, I was like, um, well, I would do Neddy. <laughs> But I feel like she's probably read Neddy mm -hmm. because for me, I struggle the same. Whereas with her, it's like medieval fantasy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from men. For me, it's 19th century white women. There we go. <laughs> so my Jane Austen, my, um, my Bronte sisters. And I also low-key have struggled to find books like that. Yeah. Uh, particularly like that written by people of colour, mm -hmm. particularly like, I don't know, black women. Um, I haven't found the medieval equivalent. Okay. But what I would say, <laughs> it's so weird, but what I would say is more of a modern equivalent, 
I would go back to like my younger black American ghetto books. That's what I call them. You know, we had that episode, <laughs> ghetto love. I don't know what it's called, but like my my Omar Tyrese. Okay. You know, Fly Girl, yeah. um, uh, Sweet St. Louis. Yeah. Um, that was quite an escape for me. And it was black, black, black. Yeah. It was like black American love, erotica um, type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big escape for me as a kid because I knew nothing about it. And I always say that it kind of introduced me into Rafa, like the, the woman. Um so that's what I would go, but that's more modern. It's not like medieval. Mm. For me, medieval, like, escapism, yeah, it's like the... But then again, I'd be like, I like I like Afrofuturism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, although all I've actually read is Neddy's um, books. Hmm, what would you say? I don't know. Um... So yeah, when I say Neddy, I mean Neddy Okorafor, who wrote... Um, okay. Things like Binti, who yeah, yeah. death. Uh, so I'm... I'm very big on, like... When it comes to escapism, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't necessarily um, have particular books, but there are, I mean, I reconnected with another book this week, I forgot to mention it at the top of the show, um, mm-hmm. and it was called, it's called The Shack by William P. Young. And, um, and it was, it was a book that I would say changed my life completely, um, oh. the way I, the way I perceived Christianity and spirituality and religion mm-hmm. but it's a fiction book and you do get lost in the story because you ultimately while it makes you think differently about it you, you feel like it's a real book like I remember reading it written a real book I feel like it's a real story like I was reading it and I was like I remember where I was at the time and I was reading it, I was thinking was this, was this a real story mm-hmm. that actually, the way it was written was as, like as if it was a real story and I was so ingrained in it yeah that it was that and it kind of kept me hooked like for as long as the book lasted um, I read it in 2014. Um, so it's not long. It's like around 200 pages. But the story inside it will have you on a on a journey thinking about... So if you are so caught up on uh, landscape and trying to be somewhere fantastical, it kind of does mirror the two of, like, you know, the reality, which was the reality of the main character's story, yeah. which is, you know, his family, his um, he, has, he suffers a tragedy, and then he goes into, like... A lucid state, be the, you know what I mean, and then he experiences the fantastical, mm-hmm. and it's that transition that will help you, uh, that will help you escape into the story. And yeah. that was an amazing life story to read. Um, that is fiction, and it went on to sell so many copies. But it was an amazing, amazing book. Um, so I'll say the shack. Um, I'll say the but shack. But even like but, with regards to escapism, um, oh, I mean, I quite like. I don't know whether it needs to be old because with her, she's more, you know, she said that she's more comfortable in a white man's medieval fantasy series. Yeah, break out of that. Yeah, I think maybe if if you can move temporarily and more modern, I really like, I think the same things that will turn up in medieval stuff, be it mm. politics, family dramas, um, death and magic, turns up in a lot of... Uh, black African novels and and sometimes black African American novels. So mm. when I that's why I say the the, the ghetto black African American novel, mm. even though I don't agree with that um okay. stance. So yeah, maybe maybe yeah, maybe do a bit of uh Omar Tyree. There's quite a few things that he's written. And because it's a series as well, so he writes series, my favourite is Fly Girl, um 
<laughs> which is the beginning of like um, a three part. Mm -hmm. So there's Fly Girl for the love of money. Mm -hmm. um, and there's another at the end of, I forgot what, uh, I think the last one is Boss Lady. Yep, it is. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a book called Single Mom. There's another one called Sweet Secondary, which is amazing. Just Say No deals with like a guy who's kind of found fame. Mm -hmm. There's Leslie, who's like a... Um, you know, a whore. <laughs> um, um, as a, there's a do-right man, which is actually a great, it's all about, I think, masculinity mm -hmm. and um, what it means to, to, do, to do good by a woman. Um, so yeah, these, these books that I read were a massive escape for me um, because there was something that I just was like, you know those certain African-American novels yeah. that are romance novels that are just wild, but I'm not sure it's, it's, it's not medieval, that's my only thing. And I don't, I haven't really found anything medieval, although I know that somebody, oh yes, Akala. Akala, what? Akala is writing, isn't he writing the story of a medieval young boy? Remember when we were at, um, we were at uh, Cheltenham. Cheltenham, and he says his next book um, is going to be a fiction book, mm. and he's writing about a young a boy who's a black boy in medieval times possibly um talking about i think it's like shakespeare as well as in there yeah, he does shakespeare hip-hop yeah hip -hop shakespeare. so he is writing um a novel um so there are there are stuff on there are stuff on the rise i mean we've got um what's the what, what's the marlon james's book red, red lion oh, black um no <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually say Red Lion? You make I'm looking at your book, but your book's not even facing me. Oh God, you make me sick. He said Red Lion. Black Wolf, though. That sounds sick. Black Leopard, Red Wolf. Darling. Oh yeah, Black Leopard, Red Wolf. <laughs> yeah, okay, they're kind so of coining that stars. as like the African Game of Thrones, which I yeah. don't really like. I don't like that. I mean, because they have that's the time. How they, that's how they pitch they've it. They've marked, yeah, yeah that's, that's how, how they, they pitch it. Pitched but we'll it. see once we read it. And we I actually, we also find out that, um, what is it? Um, my husband, um, what's his name? I forgot my husband's name. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan has mm -hmm. like got the rights to that, I think. His production company has got the yeah. rights to the book and then to adapt it into a film. Adapt it into a film, which um, I think this is um, this is an epic, so it's more than just um, one book. We are mm. expecting something else. Um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I would say wait up for Akala's book, um, Marlon James' book, um, Black Leopard, Red Wolf, not Red Lion. Yep. Um, and I would say please like escape in some nice uh black modern well black 90s romance mm -hmm. 90s late 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 80s yeah. early 90s uh, african-american romance which is pure garbage but really escaping okay. cool <laughs> yeah um we've come to the end of the show so uh, thank you of the ride tell what? us if you end have the, the, the right the end of the the, what is it? Road. Road? Okay, yeah. But the song's called End of the Road. Who sings we it? Need to bring, we need to bring back The Miseducation of Ray. The Miseducation of Ray! Is... I actually said End of the uh, Oh, yes, of course, End of the Road. Sorry. Who sings it? Winnie? Wait, 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 wait. Thank you wait, all for listening. No, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 I have to get this. We okay, have finished wait, the show. And, uh, okay, so it's a boy band, maybe? Is it Boys to Men? Yes, it's boys. Hey! Why did it take you so long? Why did you say Whitney? Because I just was thinking about that time, innit? And okay. I can't even, I can't believe I got it right, you know, because I actually you got it wrong though. No, but I got it right in the end. Yeah. I only, it, it took two guesses. I mean, if you get a, no, but get, I had to sing it, and then I was like, "What is that vibe giving me? It's giving me a boy wrong, band if you get vibe." Question wrong in an exam and submit it. It's wrong in it. But I didn't submit it. Though. You can remember after. I didn't submit you it. After no, I didn't submit it though. Yes, you did. I rubbed it off. 
Welcome I'm <laughs> to the end of the show. Um, we are on ACAST. Next week, we're going to start <laughs> we are, the miseducation of Ray again. Well, yep. Um, we are on ACAST, guys. Remember to, you know, like, subscribe on there and whatnot. We're also on Spotify. Yeah. Still on SoundCloud, iTunes. Um, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe as you would usually do. Um, yeah, make sure. But, oh, yeah. Um, 21st of March, it's not about the Burkers launch at Foils. 21st of March? February, sorry. <laughs> 21st of February, it's not about the Burka launch at Foils. That the Muslim uh, um, anthology of essays that I have yes, written an essay yes. for. Um, uh, so there'll be relevant links available to yeah. that. Make sure you get your tickets. And yeah, and in March we've got an event for SAFE, but I'll throw out more details when it gets to March. Um, it's, on my, it's on my Instagram, on my website. It's available, it's around. But I'll What's the date? The 12th of March. Okay. Yeah, so make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, mostly Lit Pod. We put all the questions out there. We put a call out for questions each week. Um, yeah, make sure so you if write you want to throw in, like if you want to be anonymous, they can stay anonymous. If you want to DM us on Instagram, on Twitter, Twitter you email. email us at mostlylit at gmail.com. Um, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we read the comments and we, you know, we, do. we really appreciate them. So we want to go through, and if you have left any comments on there, we can. Have a look and read them out if you have a question too. And also tell us, tell us what you want us to read and watch and message us. And some and will say, agree with and some yeah, will not. But yeah, so to let us know uh, what you're reading and yeah, keep it sweet. Keep and it we'll cute. catch you guys next week. Catch you guys next week. My nose back hurts. Go to the gym, man. Do some yoga. <laughs> All right, catch you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.